to Tim Adams for filling in for Tim Anderson, who's escorting students on a field trip from Kiswaki College this morning. Thanks for being here, Tim. And the choir picks up again in September. So thank them for singing for this year, and they will be back with us soon. Have any of you read the book Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett? Do you know this book? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's worth a read. It's a fictional account of the building of a cathedral in the Middle Ages in England. And one scene that, of course, really struck me was when he described the experience of worship from the point of view of a commoner. You enter the large space. You stand. There are no chairs. People mill around. Up at the front, way up at the front, people in fancy clothes speak a language you can't understand. Everything is in Latin and you don't speak Latin. That hardly matters because there's no amplification anyway. And besides that, they face the other way most of the time because God is up that way. Up on the cross, not out there amongst the people. The one dramatic moment is when the priest lifts up the cup and the magic is right there. But what really captures the character's heart is the space itself, the height and the wonder, the size of it. And the steeple, of course, points up to the heavens. The very structure of the place indicates the transcendent power of God, larger than our petty lives, so it is implied by the architecture. In the novel, the characters build a new cathedral, even larger and more impressive. It takes generations, and they live those lives while the cathedral is being built, loving, raising children, playing, grieving, growing food, and walking in the wild woods. There's a tender magic there, too, and a tension inherent between the grandeur and the granure, between the transcendent and the imminent. The Protestant Reformation was partly about this, Luther's argument that you did not need a priest to access God, that you could preach not in Latin but in the local language, and that God spoke directly to your conscience. And those liberal Protestants, even more liberal than Luther, they kept moving the ball leftward and downward, if you will, making religion more and more about everyday life. Saying that God is present not just in Jesus, but present in the soul of each person. Even, maybe, we're really radical, present in nature in the trees and the rivers and the stars and, and present in art and music too. And if the humanists and the transcendentalists are to be believed, the real business of religion should be mostly about this imminent divinity, this visceral, everyday, direct truth. Everything is holy now. Explode the canon. Everything is scripture and all that. To which view, I'm deeply sympathetic. That's the way I see it, that divinity is deeply real and real life and not in dusty books and old cathedrals. And, and yet. 
Years ago, I had a conversation with a colleague of mine about God, about divinity. It stuck with me, this conversation. I'm unsure about the word God, as I know many of you are. It implies things I'm not totally sure about, but sometimes I use the word anyway. But my colleague said, Matthew, your God is too horizontal for me. It's all imminence. I need, she said, more vertical in my holy power, more power in my holy power, more transcendence. We agreed to disagree about that. But I still find the conversation super helpful because most of the time, the imminent divinity works for me. But there are days I want the transcendental, the transcendent, the power that transcends our granular reality, that goes beyond, which is larger than this. When all this stuff seems too small. There are days when I want the motion of my heart to be vertical, too, not just horizontal. And there are days I want to sing, I want to sing, flowing river, pour your stream unbounded into me. Though the ages fall like rain and time shall pass away and so much shall fade away, there are days I think we want to reach upward, for lack of a better place, for that river of life which flows unbounded and is eternal. For a moment's interval, the earth, the sky, the sea, my soul encompassed each and all as they encompass me. This isn't an either-or kind of thing. Indeed, our experiences of transcendence are still in this real world. Through nature, through art, through love, ubi caritas, where there is love, God abounds. That's what that means. It's not like we have such a thing as unmediated experience. All experience is mediated. And yet, sometimes, we have what the father of liberal theology, Friedrich Schleiermacher, described as a feeling of absolute dependence. A feeling of transcendence when with fear and trembling, we taste the ultimate. You heard Judy describe some of those kinds of experiences. We have those feelings. It is human nature to try to understand and name and describe that experience, and we start to lose it, to bound it as soon as that happens. To use a Buddhist phrase, we mistake the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself. Those are different things. Words about transcendence might remind us of our experience of transcendence, but they are not themselves transcendent. This is what's happening in the cathedral. The Latin, the ritual, the soaring ceilings remind people that God once entered the world. The liberal impulse says, but God still enters the world. Instead of a reminder of experience, perhaps we can have, you know, experience. Some theologians and philosophers describe it like this. There are two poles. There we go. Two poles, actuality and potentiality. This is borrowing language from Aristotle and a mathematician named Alfred North Whitehead. And if you're super into this, we can talk later and I can give you the references. 
actuality, the granular, the real world we live in right now, potentiality, the grandeur, contains all that might be. It's transcendent and infinite and more than. Now, it is a reasonable intellectual claim that there's no such thing as potentiality. It's an abstraction without basis. In the Middle Ages, if you held this position, it would make you what was called a nominalist, also a heretical atheist, which would get you executed back then. <laughs> but to which we here today say good morning and welcome. You're more than welcome. <laughs> We've made progress, right? If you don't really believe in the potential poll, the second part of the sermon, which is in two weeks, will be much more your style. That's when we'll do the motion from potentiality to actuality. So the, let's see here, your right. Today, we're doing the left, the motion from actuality to potentiality. But it's a circle. But even if you're not sure about potentiality at all, the notion that your own spirit needs to be called back, that we need to call it back, tattered as it might be from post-colonial jitters and by shame and distraction, that connecting with the earth, the spirit of life, the mystery, the wonder, the notion that this is the work of our lives that matters, the notion is that this is what gives us power and perspective and hope and healing. Well, that notion resonates, doesn't it? That feels true. So how do you do that? How do you open yourself to the vertical motion, to experiences of grandeur and transcendence? I mean, sometimes it catches you off guard. You don't expect it. You don't do anything. But it's also true that you can put your heart in a holy place and create the conditions to feel connected to transcendent mystery. Joy Harjo, the Creek Nation poet, the author of our reading, gives us instructions to feel the earth, to welcome it like a beloved child, to cleanse yourself with sacred energy and sacred sense and do the ritual and to Welcome helpers, ancestors and animals and art and more, to put down the potato chips and enter the unbounded river. How do you know it's happening? You know you're feeling that transcendent connection sometimes when you get goosebumps, even though it's not cold. Did you get goosebumps when Judy talked about the stars? In the outback, I did. You know that you're feeling that transcendent connection when you feel generous and loving toward your fellow human beings. That's when you're feeling it. You know you're feeling that transcendent connection when you want to sing and hold up your hands and dance and laugh and hug and smile. You know that you're feeling that transcendent connection when it's a little bit terrifying. And when you wonder, is this what I'm doing with my life worthy of this gift? You know you're feeling that transcendent connection when you just stop. Stop moving, stop trying, and rest in the grace of the moment. 
You know you're feeling that transcendent connection when years later you remember the moment with crystal clarity. You can't control the river. You can't make it happen. But you can set up the conditions for it to be possible. Welcome the Spirit. Let it heal. Let it heal you. Open your heart to the holy place. I felt that transcendent connection many times. I felt it here, walking in the woods in Transylvania. That's where I took this picture. The Cathedral of Trees. There was a moment which I've mentioned before from this pulpit in the woods in Washington State when I was leading worship for young adults and the transcendent, eternal love, I don't know what to call it, words get in the way, when it rushed in and grabbed me, and not just me, other people there felt it too. I felt it right here in this room. When the choir is singing, when I see your beautiful faces, when I think about the people who came before me, and those who will come after. I felt it when my children were born, and when I held a life, held a hand when life ended, when I walked the dirt road in Galilee, and when I marched down the main road in Maricopa County, chanting for justice for all. When have you felt it? When have you felt connected to something larger than yourself? Something you could not really name other than maybe oneness. Something that transcended time and space. God, if you call it that. Life, which comes before and after us. Love, caritas. Love, unbounded. When have you felt it? You remember that moment? One of them, if more than one. Remember what you were doing? How it felt? Did you feel that absolute dependence? Did you feel transcending mystery and wonder? Did you feel really alive? Did you feel love? Let me give you a moment to remember. Smell it. Feel it, hear it. Remember that feeling. You understand why you'd build a cathedral to that feeling? Why some would want to use that power to contain and structure it? To say it only comes this way? Because that feeling is powerful. It only comes this way. But the trees and the sea and the sky say, hello. Art and music and friendship and babies say, how you doing? Here we are. The power of love is unbounded. The power of love is unbounded. And you understand why the reminder, the ritual to say, remember this, remember the power of the divine is so important to recenter us. And how the reminder 
can forget it's a reminder. How the finger can forget it's not the moon. How the spirit can get lost in the world of distraction. But then we breathe in and breathe out. And the reminder doesn't keep us tethered, but instead it is like an ancestor, a guide, reminding us not just that the holy has once come into the world, but that it's still there, that it still does. And we are part of it all. And wow is real. And holy hearts beat in our bodies and make us sing, Alleluia. The reminder, whether that's in the cathedral of stone or the cathedral of trees, pulls us forward, pulls us up, sings, there is more love somewhere. There is more than this. When you're down low, when fascism and oppression and violence runs high, transcendent connection reminds us there is more than this. There is a love that is unbound, and we must keep on till we find it. In the cathedral of trees or stone, in the nursing home or with the nursing infant, in our hands raised up or joined with others, we do not achieve pure potentiality, but we taste it. We hear its song and feel alive. You cannot control it. You cannot summon it like some party trick but you can open your heart. You can still your mind. You can welcome it like a beloved child. You can let it heal you and bring you home. We're going to sing together. 95 in your gray hymnal, There is more love somewhere. There we go. This is African-American spiritual. It is both figurative, there is more love somewhere, and literal, there is more freedom that way, north. Do not forget the power of this song that we sing together. Let us sing. Rise and body your spirit.
In a moment, I'll extinguish our chalice, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry with us until we are together again. Why do that? I invite you, if you wish to join hands, or if you'd rather not be touched, to some don't feel that comfortable, to place your hands on your shoulders. Go in peace. The annual meeting will begin in seven minutes at 11.15.